Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And much as I have wanted to abandon him in the past, sitting across from me as usual, senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. The silence of a falling star lights up the purple sky. And as I wonder where you are, I'm so lonesome, I could cry. <laughs> Very nicely done. Thank you. Today we're... I think Hank would have done it that way. Hank. Hmm. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about... Abandonware. Yes, we uh, we've had requests to talk about abandonware, and this is um. And we've talked about abandonware in the past, yeah, just we, not as a dedicated topic. Yeah, we've also talked about vaporware, which is a totally different thing. Um, if you might wonder what the differences are, vaporware is when a company has announced or information has leaked out that a company is working on a particular product, but that product never seems to actually go to market. Oh, I thought it was the kind of software that. Every once in a while, just made you feel lightheaded. I've already got a headache. Oh, I've already got a headache. Chris. Catching the vaporware. So uh, that's different. I'll tell you what that means. After this is over. <laughs> yeah. 
and you'll like it because you like that kind of humor. Uh, the, uh, but no, the, the abandoned wear is when a company has produced a piece of, well, product mainly, but we usually talk about it in terms of software. Yes. And more frequently than not, we talk about it in terms of games. Yes. Although that's not the only kind of abandoned wear. But a company produces this. The, the, uh, but then technology continues to evolve over time. And no. Yeah, no, it's crazy, right? Really? So the things like computers, let's, let's say a computer gets so advanced that it can no longer run older software. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Where you get to a point where, you know, if software has been produced before a certain point, your computer is not really able to run it anymore because things have changed so dramatically. And then companies will sort of stop supporting this old software that they produced years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they no longer provide any support, or they discontinued it, that's abandonware. If a company creates some software that is, you know, hits the market, and then that company ceases to exist, that software may be considered abandonware because now there's no there's no place you can buy it anymore mm-hmm. because the company that was in charge of it is gone. Uh, this can happen through an acquisition or a merger where certain divisions get dissolved or merged into other divisions, and as a result. Pieces of software no longer have a kind of a a, a a a shepherd really to keep the software going. So what happens to that software? What happens if you want to have access to that software? How can you do it? Are there legal ways of getting at it? And uh, it's, it's a little complicated. Yeah, the uh, the in the context we brought it up in before we were talking about the multiple machine uh, multiple arcade machine emulator MAME. Mame. Um, you coax the blues right out of the horn. Sorry. Mame. That's, yeah, that's anti-mame. Yes. Um, not, not A-N-T-I. Yes. Go A-U-N-T-I. A-U-N-T-I. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Mame is, for those of you who don't know, basically a way of uh, running the programs that old arcade ma- – well, actually not necessarily old – that arcade machines would run in their cabinets – on a home computer. Right. Now keep in mind that arcade machines, the, the software for those machines was built specifically for the hardware inside the arcade machine. You, you wouldn't open up an arcade cabinet and find a, 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 a computer in there. Right. It wouldn't look like a computer. It would look like a whole bunch of different chips wired together. Yeah. And, ROMs. Uh, yeah. Read ROMs. only memory. And, and so it's hardwired into the, uh, the hardware. Like, you, know, you don't you don't put a disc in mm-hmm. at least not most arcade games. I know there are a few that run on laser disc, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like the, it's reading directly from a chip. A, a, a similar example would be when you if you ever played console games that used cartridges. Yes, the cartridge had the ROM on it. Right, and the console just had the uh, the technology to read the ROM and then translate that into a game. Mm-hmm. So for a computer, you would have to create an emulator, something that could create an environment similar to the hardware that you would find inside that arcade machine in order for you to run the ROM on a computer. And sometimes this would work well and you would have a pretty uh, similar experience as to if you were sitting in front of a, an arcade machine and playing it. And in some cases, it doesn't work so well because the computer's architecture and the arcade architecture are so different that the game stutters or just runs really slowly. Yeah, so then you have uh, the question. You, you're able to run this uh, software yeah. and on your home computer, 
and you have something like, say, Kangaroo, and you want to play Kangaroo on your home computer, and you go, wait a minute, Atari still exists. I mean, truth is, it's a different Atari, technically, but they own the, the copyright, copyright for that stuff. Now, it, you know, that's one thing. Then, on the other hand, you have something like, say, Defender, and then you say, okay, well, who owns the stuff that Williams used to make? Or Robotron, for that matter. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's, that's one version. Um, my, my other example was, uh, was going to be, uh, I was going to ask you if you thought that, um, if I brought my copy of, uh, Deluxe Video Construction Set to Electronic Arts for my Amiga, do you think they'd support it? Yeah. Probably not. Or Simant, for that matter, from Maxis before it was acquired by Electronic Arts? I don't think so. But so, the thing is, the question is, you know, I can legally use that software because I still own the disks right. for Simant. Right. Even though I never really had enough memory in my Amiga to run it. You wouldn't be able to distribute it. I can't distribute it, but I legally can run that all I want yeah. to. Now, for something like MAME, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in in some cases, the the manufacturer is still around. In some cases, it's a different version of the manufacturer who legally owns the copyright. And in other cases, the manufacturer is gone, and it's hard to identify who, if anybody, owns the copyright. And this actually is it presents some seriously thorny legal issues. Right. So let's let's clear things up a little bit here. Uh, if there is an old piece of software. It's available online and there hasn't been any uh, express permission from the copyright holder that that software can be distributed. Distributing that software is illegal. Yes. It, it violates copyright. Now, that being said, copyright is one of those things that only works if you exercise your right to the copyright. Right. In other words, the copyright owner would have to pursue action against anyone distributing that content. So if you are if you come across an old game from the uh the late 80s let's say mm-hmm. and it's an old DOS based game on the, the from the late 80s and you wanted to you, you love this game and you want other people to explore this game and and experience this game and there is no way to buy the game because the game the company doesn't exist or the company still exists but no longer markets this game or supports it then you might feel, well, what's the harm? I mean, no one's, no one's trying to make money off of this. No one is losing money off of this because there's no way to legitimately get a hold of this. Why is there an issue? And it's all because of that copyright. And the copyright holder may choose to not pursue action. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's legal. It just means the copyright holder is allowing the, <laughs> that material to be distributed. Yeah, I said, wouldn't you know it? I picked a, a bad uh, example for a video game. Why is that? Just, I, well, is Kangaroo really Atari? It was distributed by Atari, but actually it was a product by Sun Electronics. Did you wear like little boxing gloves in that game, and you had to box stuff as a kangaroo? Yes, I vaguely remember playing that game. It was it was it was very Donkey Kong like because you climbed up to the top and had to find your Joey, you know, the baby kangaroo. Right, right. And, so uh, anyhow, so uh, substitute centipede for what I said before. Anyway, so getting back to copyrights. Now, a copyright, the term of a copyright right now lasts for, in the United States, lasts for 75 years from the creation of the work. N- uh, unless it's a work for hire. Right. 
95 years. Right. And so, yeah, a work That's for hire would be last even longer. And most yes. of these, I guess, would be considered work for hire. Which is why I brought it up. That's a good point. Thank so, you. in other words, this is software that is going to be – is still protected by copyright and will be for pretty much our lifetime. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of us might get really lucky. Depends on when it was. But maybe yeah. the singularity will hit and it won't – that won't be a problem. But at that point, who's playing video games? Well, if you wanted to play Space War – you're probably in fairly decent shape because that was created so much earlier than this stuff. Yeah, the, the games that were created in the 80s. Yeah. Um, even our, our younger listeners would have problems with this all the way through. Yeah. So their lifetimes. So by legal definition, mm-hmm. strictly going by that, it is not – there's no real recourse unless the copyright holder gives permission for distribution or releases the copyright into the public domain. Yes. Now, at that point, you know, it's weird to call the software abandonware because abandonware really means this software that doesn't have really any support or, or, uh, access mm-hmm. through legitimate channels. Sure. So it's not like it's, uh, abandonware at that point. It's just public domain work. So it becomes more like shareware in a way. Sure. But, a copyright holder does have that option. Uh, and in some cases, you, you see companies take advantage of old, old, old libraries of content and repackage them and, and market them again, which would mean that you wouldn't want to host those abandonware games on your site, for example, because they are actually making money from this old uh, content. And there are legitimate ways to get hold of it. A good example of that is Atari. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you've got the old Atari games that get repackaged occasionally as an app for a smartphone or tablet device. Yep. Uh, also, you get some console games that will occasionally come out. They'll be like the best of, and it'll be whatever the old company was. Well, I think you can even get a version of the Atari 2600 if you really want it. Yeah. But that's new. a little – oh, new one? Yeah. They're making new ones now? Is They're, that on ThinkGeek? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. The, the Dreamcast was. I, somebody told me recently that they saw a new, quote unquote, new Atari 2600 packaged with some of the early games. Wow, that's basically you know, a relive the past. That's yeah, a whole and, retro thing. Yeah, but there are there are hundreds and hundreds of computer titles, PC titles, Windows oh, based sure. titles, mm-hmm. DOS based titles, even uh, that uh, will will probably never reemerge. And so. The question comes, well, what's the best way of handling this? There are a lot of, of sites out there that are dedicated to abandonware. Mm-hmm. And these sites are the, the really, the ones that are more legitimate. And I use the phrase loosely because again, we're talking about violating copyright one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are more concerned with offering people the chance to play games that are the equivalent to being out of print. Yes. Or otherwise unavailable. Um, they're very much about not hosting what are also called wares. Wares would be kinds of software that's essentially pirated or duplicated that's readily available on the market today. Yeah. Basically, the copy protection has been cracked. Yeah. And you can use it, you know, when I say freely, I don't mean you're allowed to use it. I mean, you There's don't have no- to. There aren't any Enter barriers. a license code yeah. to do it. Uh, so, but, but the more, the more legitimate abandonware sites will only host games that you cannot get through any other means unless you were to find like someone selling an old copy. But, uh, you know, there, you wouldn't be able to go to the, the publisher and buy it because yeah. sometimes the publisher doesn't even exist. Well, um, 
there are there are people out there who in some of them are content creators mm-hmm. who say there should be a more streamlined way to for for companies to release abandonware so that there isn't this uh this legal barrier um especially considering the fact that software changes much more rapidly than say print and uh, uh one of them is Greg Kostikian now do you know who have you ever heard of Greg Kostikian He's a, he's a game designer who designs not just computer games, but also role-playing games. I, his name is really familiar to me, and I'm going to go, ah, as soon as you say well, it. Well, he, he's, he's designed a lot of stuff. Most of it is kind of, um, has a, has sort of a, a satirical or otherwise humorous, uh, slant to it. For example, he created an, uh, role-playing game called Tune back in 1984, mm-hmm. where you played as a cartoon character within a cartoon episode. Every single adventure was modeled after the idea of a seven-minute cartoon episode. Hmm. And you would have the capabilities of a cartoon character, and you would have uh, friends and enemies within the cartoon, and you could do these outlandish things. It was hilarious. He also created a game called Paranoia, which was all hmm. about a post-apocalyptic uh, uh Society where you live in a, a, essentially like a, a biodome kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And a computer controls everything, but the computer is crazy and paranoid and thinks everyone is out to get him. And pretty much everyone is out to get him. And then, <laughs> but anyway, the whole, the just whole, because, all right, the whole purpose of the game was to create this idea of paranoia. Well, this guy who created several different uh, computer games as well said that, uh, I actually have a quote. Software is about as ephemeral as you can get, yet preserving it is essential. Illegal abandonware sites are providing a critical service to game designers and scholars and gaming enthusiasts. They do not, however, provide a lasting and satisfactory solution to the problem because they are illegal. So he was maintaining the point of these old games that exist are important, and they're important culturally because some of them were what helped usher in the era of personal computers in the first place. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, personal computers were great for productivity, but there's no denying that video games, computer games really drove the industry as well. And as the the technology advances, our ability to access those old games decreases. And he says, that's that's a shame. There should be a way to preserve that. And also, as he points out, game designers – you know, some of these old games are very primitive when it comes to the uh, graphics or the sound. But a lot of them had very innovative gameplay or very compelling storylines and are great lessons for game designers to, to learn from. Sure. You know, I would argue the old Ultima series, for example, is a very valuable uh, series for people who want to create uh, a storyline that spans several episodes and has a very kind of deep um, and, and immersive quality to it. Now, I should also add that the Ultimate series has regularly been re- released in packages where you could buy it legitimately. Mm-hmm. So don't go out there and start pirating games. Look and make sure first before that. Make sure there's a legitimate per- way of getting it and go that way before ever going with abandonware route. But um, But yeah, as a producer of games, he was pointing out that this is a valuable service that Abandonware sites uh, are giving us, mm-hmm. that without it, we would lose these games. And, you know, unless some company was like, hey, we need to roll out another product or we're not going to hit our revenue this year, what titles do we have in the vault that we could package together hastily and then shove out the door? And occasionally you see that happen. 
Well, it would be nice if some of the people who own the copyrights to these would release these these programs in some form. Yeah. Um, you know, the the app stores for the mobile devices have proven that uh, you know even even software that costs one or two dollars for a copy of it can still make a decent amount of money. And uh, you know, some of these titles are languishing in obscurity when. You know, people might really be willing to pay one, two, five dollars yeah. for an opportunity to play it again. It's not really a lot of money for most people. And yeah, it's they they might relish the opportunity to to give it another shot. I think we have the opportunity to actually see that happen now because digital distribution is a reality. Yeah. Right? Like Chris and I can both remember a time where you would go to your local computer store or electronic store and there would always be that bin of the oh, yeah. old games that, that were Four, three or four generations behind the current stuff that's up on the shelves. And you would sort through that bin and just look to see if there were any hidden gems in there. And then you'd find oh, something yeah. like, oh, I always wanted to play that. And you pick it up and, you know, you might get a copy of Civilization that way. But that was back in the old day where you would get like the, the floppy disks. I was know? thinking you were talking about during the, uh, video game console crash when you would go into your corner drugstore and there would yeah. be a bin of really horrible Atari cartridges for, you know, a dollar a same, piece. Same sort of thing where they were just unloading their inventory. Yeah. But those days are, are you know, pretty much disappearing because you get to digital distribution, you get to the, the era of the CD really started to, to decrease it. But then digital distribution has, has taken a big hit on it too. But that also gives the opportunity for companies to potentially put up old titles for, you know, like the same price that you would have for an app yeah. for, a, for a smartphone. So let's say that you throw up a, a mule. The mm-hmm. old Mule game or Archon. Oh, Archon. Archon. Yeah, put those old Populous. games up. Populous, yes. Uh, put these old games up on uh, – uh, or Battle Chess. <laughs> these old games up so that you can buy them for like 99 cents or whatever and, and have, you know, maybe package it with a free emulator yeah. if you need it because some of these old games will not run on your current system unless first put through an emulator. Yeah, I have old machines for strictly that purpose. And before before you write in and say, you know, why do you want people to spend this money? This property should be free. Well, that's an option too. It would be really cool if they if these companies would release these games into the public domain. Yeah. However, I think they might have more incentive mm-hmm. if uh, they charged a small price and then they would get something in return for it. It's sort of like the the Chris Anderson's long tail mm-hmm. and the uh, the online stores versus the brick and mortar stores. I mean, if you put that up for digital distribution, it could stay there virtually forever. Yeah. There's still going to be a handful of people that are willing to fork over a couple bucks for it. Yeah, and and I Why think not? I think that solution really provides an elegant approach to this complicated issue because yeah. you've got for one thing, you know, it 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 gives an incentive to these companies to share this old stuff that you can't otherwise get. Right. Um and and people can relive like that moment from their childhood when they played this one game that they loved and now they can't they can't get it anymore. Yeah. Um, it also gives the, the, you know, it gives the fans what they want. It's not prohibitively expensive if you mm-hmm. go with this, this micro payment kind of app approach. Um, and also it tells companies what people are interested in. If you were to create an, uh, a, a section of your site, for example, 
that hosted the old titles mm-hmm. for cheap purchase. And you saw that one of those titles was getting hit like crazy. People were just buying it up. You might think, you know, we could probably do a follow-up, like just do an incredible follow-up that is based on the same premise of this original game. Maybe not a remake, but even a, perhaps a long-awaited sequel and clean up because we didn't realize there was this interest in this old title that we owned. Now, this does not solve the problem for those titles where the ownership is up in the air, like no one knows who owns this anymore. Right. Those, right. that's still, you're going to, you're still going to have that problem where if there's a title where you're not really sure, does the, is the copyright holder the guy who made it? Is it this other company? Is it a company that bought, you know, bought a company that bought a company that bought a company? That's where you start getting to issues where these games may be hopelessly mired in red tape. That's just, it's until you figure out who is the owner of that copyright and who has the authority to do this, it'll never happen. And that, you know, the abandonware approach is pretty much the only way you're going to get hold of those games. Uh, and it's not a legitimate way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. This is from, this the, is from the perspective of the law. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that because yeah. sometimes I'm like, hey, you know what? I love that game. I bought that game. I played that game. There's no way for me to get it. And um, my sense of entitlement is crying out. Well, this is where things get interesting. Um, let's say you have um, – an old Atari 2600 and you bought a copy of Yar's Revenge and you have the machine and you've got the, the, the con, the game. Yeah. It's, it's in your basement. It's in a box, but you got it. Yeah. It's in storage. Unfortunately, uh, the 2600 doesn't work anymore. Or you don't have an adapter. Yeah. To- <laughs> and, it, and you really can't play it because the machine's dead, but I eh, know. Hey, it's a museum piece. Yeah. So you hold on to it and then you find an emulator for your computer. With Yars Revenge, where you can play the Atari 2600 version of it. And the thing is, from what I understand, now again, keep in mind I'm not a lawyer, mm-hmm. but theoretically, from what I understand, you're entitled to play that because you have a copy of the game. You already paid for it. You have a copy of the game in your possession. You're legally entitled to play it because the reason I get this is from the disclaimers on the MAME sites. They say that if you have a copy of the ROMs, Basically, if you have the guts of the arcade machine, yeah. the, the chips, then legally you can play the game. Yeah. Otherwise, you are. That's only why they haven't been to, shut down. Yeah. Otherwise, you're only supposed to hold on to a ROM up to 24 hours. Yeah. And then after that, you're supposed to delete it. Yes. Um, on your honor. You, you, yeah, you as a a person who downloaded the ROM from that site, yeah. not not the sites themselves. But if you own a legal copy of the ROM. You're supposed to be able to play it, even if the machine that you had it on. Now, I imagine that's. There, there's some probably legal gray area where, you know, if, if the, uh, the copyright police, they don't exist, but hey, like the copyright police come to your house, say, wait a minute, your Atari 2600 is broken. You're not supposed to play it on your home computer. You're supposed to play it on this machine. You're in trouble, man. The thing is, for one thing, there aren't any copyright police. Yeah. Well, not specifically copyright police. And, you know, for a lot of people, this just, people aren't going to bother doing it. I yeah, mean, they're yeah. not going to sue Jonathan because, you know, that's the thing. They say that you can sue anybody in America for anything, but generally people sue people who have money. Right. So, <laughs> so they're so not going to come after, yeah, they're not going to come after Jonathan or me for doing that unless they really believe that they can prosecute us with good cause and are going to get something, you know, that's worth 
putting the time and money into a legal case for doing this. And, and that's even more so for these companies and organizations that don't exist. And that's why uh, that's the biggest case I've, I've seen for making abandonware legal, yeah. basically saying, hey, Company X doesn't exist. This is a great game. I want to play it. I would give them $20 if they were still around, but there's nobody to pay. Please, you know. But technically, game, yeah. technically, it's illegal. Yeah, yeah. But, and the law, by the letter of the law, it's illegal. And again, if if the copyright holder doesn't pursue any action against you, then you're in the clear. And in in almost every single case, that's going to be that's going to be what happens. If you if you run an abandonware site, you might occasionally get a takedown notice from a copyright holder. And then, of course, you should very much adhere to that if you don't want to encounter legal difficulties. But, it's nice uh, to have pants, and if you have them sued off of you, yeah. Oh, by the way, it gets uh, drafty. Here's here's a pop quiz hot shot. Okay. So hot shot. Yeah, the guy who uh, the guy who made Yars Revenge. Yeah. He made another very famous uh, Atari game. Do you know what it was? Oh, who was it that made Yars Revenge? It was uh, Howard Scott Warshaw, the oh. actual game designer who did wow. it. I don't know. E.T. the extraterrestrial. <clears throat> I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't. He was it's paid not a truckload of money. He was pay, paid a truckload of money. To do something very quickly. Yes. But yes, one not of the, Yars Revenge was one of the games that was considered to be a, a big hit with Atari 2600 followed by a game that, that often people credit as killing not just the Atari 2600, but the video game industry, the home video game industry as a whole in 1983. He was just following orders. That was just some trivia for all of you guys. So lest you think we are telling you to run out and download all the abandonware you want and play it, we're not telling you to do that. Right. Because that would be illegal. What we're telling you is there's some awesome games that are out there, and some of them are hosted on abandonware sites, and man, those games are neat. And you know what? I'm pretty sure the copyright holders wouldn't come after you. But don't do it. <laughs> if you, you do want it, to go back and redo that? If you, no, no, no. If you do that, it would be Ill- technically illegal. Yes, it is technically illegal. Uh, whether it, or not, it's a shame. Whether or not it's unethical is another question. Unethical and illegal are two different things. Yeah, and unethical, that's a weird question, too. Yeah, because it's again, if, if, there's, if there's no one to pay, then those games essentially are forgotten. Yeah. They're gone. You, you might as well do the same thing like this book came out in 1980. We're locking it away in this library and you have no access to the library. In fact, no one has any access to the library mm-hmm. and it just, it's going to stay there in the library. So you could have access to it if we opened up the door, but we're not going to see that's that's an issue, right? Because then you're like, well, what's the point of it even existing <laughs> if no one can use it? Yeah. So, yeah, there's. There is an uh, the ethical and the the ethical standpoint is different from the legality standpoint. Yeah, and um, this is definitely a technology issue too. Yeah, because if you really want to read Beowulf, there's a copy in print somewhere, probably yeah. at your local bookstore, possibly at a used bookstore. Yeah, uh, let's not even get into that. But <laughs> it's also but the thing is you can find a copy of it. You could download it for free on the I, internet I'm, because it's out of copyright. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in the public domain. You know, <laughs> I would think. But the thing about it is. For the technology behind these games, you know, that, that is one of the issues behind it. And there's, there's the other thing too. Uh, in case you're saying, well, you're just talking about games. Really? Do you want to, you want to download a copy of VisiCalc so you can run that? Really? Yeah, that's the, the other part of that. I mean, people don't, Adobe won't necessarily support Photoshop 3. Um, 
you could probably find a copy of it somewhere out there, but you know, I would consider that to an effect abandonware too, because they've moved so far beyond that point. It's been out of print for so many years. You're on your own. Um, but legally, if you downloaded a copy of it, a cracked copy of it online, you'd be in the same boat. But the reason we're talking about games predominantly is because that's the stuff that people go back to. Yeah. Um, the reason that people, in a lot of cases, keep old gaming machines around is because every once in a while that nostalgia thing hits. But I don't think you find it for something like a spreadsheet or a, you know, yeah, word it's perfect. A legacy issue, in which case that could be a yeah. Could be in a some problem. cases, that's that's an issue too. But uh, I think I think it's used more. Abandonware is more in the minds of a lot of people for games simply yeah. because there's that nostalgia and. And uh, retro factor. Yeah, I'm thinking back to some of the games I I used to love to play that I would I would really enjoy seeing an updated version of that game or sure. or having the ability to play the old one again, like um, Tie Fighter. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now that one has a double whammy against it, right? Because well, yeah. it's a licensed game, not just a uh, not just not just the fact that you've got the well, software and everything, but you've got the actual content. It's all. Yeah, that's a much more complex situation. Well, it was LucasArts. It was LucasArts. So uh, great game, fantastic game. Yeah. Wish that they would come out with a new one. And then hint, there's hint. <laughs> well, you've seen you've seen the success of the the Monkey Island franchise as it's renewed uh, and I love the Monkey Island franchise and Oregon Trail as it has popped up on Facebook and and on uh, uh, the iApps. Yeah, but I mean that's the funny thing about some of this stuff. Um, can be updated and refreshed and people and, and added dimension, things that you couldn't do 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so wow, yeah, there's, you know, there, there's some, such good reason to update and, and keep these things around. Right. And and again, like I said, if they took my approach where they host that abandonware, they, they reclaim the abandonware and host it for super cheap, they might be able to find out what trends people are really gravitating toward and that could help them design their next game. It's all part of Jonathan's plot to take over the world. Look, there's certain games I want to play and I'm desperately trying to get them to, to back my plan so that I can, I can shut, shut, I'll, I'll hand over the money. I am more than happy to purchase this game. The same thing we do every night try to take over Archon. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up this discussion about Abandonware. I hope you guys didn't feel abandoned through the process of this podcast. If you did, send us a little note. Ask us uh, to very nicely you know, to cover whatever topic it is that you would like to hear us um, chat about at nauseum. And uh, you can do that to by sending it to our email address, which is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, or you can drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. The handle there is techstuffhsw, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R 
HomeTitleLock.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.